The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. How about that? You should have been pulled in the front of the It's time for another edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is episode number 50. That's right, the big 5-0, the Benny Agbayani edition in honor of Hawaii. Today, we have Janice Scurio. You may know her as the co-host of the Northside Sox podcast, as well as a writer with SB Nation on the South Side Sucks and Baseball Prospectus. Janice is here to talk about the Chicago White Sox and their 2021 possibilities. So settle in because we're going to talk about raccoons and trash and a whole lot more with your host, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier. Take it away, everybody! Welcome to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is it. This is episode five zero. We made it, dearie. Fifty episodes of a podcast. Can you believe it? You know, Mike, I was thinking about last episode that was number forty nine. That's the Armando Benitez episode. Ah, the Armando Benitez episode. Very good. I feel like I can come up with a fifty pretty easily. That seems like a pitcher. There's a lot of pitchers who were number fifty. Something's coming to mind, but I can't think of it. That doesn't matter though. On today's Palazzo episode, the fiftieth edition, we have a very special guest. The one, the only, Janice Scurio is live with us tonight. How are you doing, Janice? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. Woohoo! We're thrilled to have you aboard. You do a lot of different things. You're a busy person right now. You you write about baseball, you talk about baseball, and you also write in multiple areas, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, uh, I cover the White Sox uh, for uh, Southside Sox, an SB Nation blog. Uh, also, too, I covered the White Sox for Southside Hit Pen, which uh, was affiliated with Sports Illustrated. So I got to cover the team in person, credentialed. Which yeah. was you were at the uh, Giolito no-hitter last year, right? I sure was. I was at the Giolito no-hitter. Yeah, I was there, and the power went out, and my Wi-Fi went out, and uh, it was a 
it, it was a mess, but I got through it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was super cool. Um, I like definitely I will be telling my grandchildren about that, um, uh, which uh, I hope they'll be impressed. Uh, so besides that, it's a no hitter. They will be for sure. I've never seen a live no hitter ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on top of that, and on top of just, um, yeah, just being able to see it with no fans present, uh, and especially uh, because the broadcast blacked out for a good 10 minutes. So I'm probably one of like maybe 100 people that saw the entire thing in person. So uh, yeah, that's just some added coolness to it. But not to brag, not to brag. (laughs) I'm a very humble person. Yes, of course you are. You don't ever, you know, speak highly of yourself. Why would you do that, right? Yeah, I also have a podcast uh, called Northside Socks. I cover it with my friend Sam Sherman. Uh, We record it every other week where we just uh, talk about things that make us angry. Uh, So that's like one thing that uh, these podcasts have in common is that things piss us off a lot. And uh, we, we like to air our grievances. Uh, to the public. Uh, We think it's very healthy. Our therapists tell us that all the time. (laughs) And I also uh, just published my first piece uh, for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, So that was pretty cool as well. Really? Wow. Congratulations. That's like a, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally uh, big, awesome deal. Uh, And uh, yeah, I'm really happy and uh, really honored that they decided to let someone like me uh, once again, just kind of uh, air their grievances and also uh, I guess fantasize about uh, the White Sox right field situation. Uh, But I can get into that in a little bit if you'd like me to. Oh, we will. We'll be talking about the White Sox on this show, of course. We're going to talk about some of the recent moves and the hot stove. It's a cooking. And we're going to cover a little bit of projections. What will happen? Will Janice survive? Shine or ride the pine? That's right. We're bringing it back. We haven't done it since last year, dearie. So it'll be exciting to bring back Shine or ride the pine. And we'll close out with your tweets and emails. And then maybe, just maybe, we might be pissed about a few things. And we might be mad as hell. And we're going to tell you about what that is. So stick around for all that on the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com is how you can connect with us. And that's the show. That's what we're excited about. Janice, uh, what is one thing about you that we should know beyond baseball? Tell us something about you that is not baseball related whatsoever. Oh, dang. Uh, well, the thing is, though, baseball is my entire personality. Like, <laughs> that's all there is to me. Like, I, I, just, I uh, live, eat, sleep, and drink baseball. It's just uh, everything I do. Do well, you no, love food, though? I do. I do. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that's one thing I also write about, too. Uh, I also uh, am a food writer, uh, and I also uh, blog a little bit about beer, too. So I'm very big into f- uh, food and craft beer. Oh. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, one cool thing that I also did, uh, I kind of did a mashup of my experiences covering the White Sox this summer and also kind of uh, a sampling a little bit of uh, the restaurants that are around the stadium. Uh, in the Bridgeport neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, So as you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic going on, uh, there's no indoor dining, like right now in Illinois. Uh, So a lot of restaurants are kind of- Like uh, not at all? Not at all, not at all. So you you can do takeout, um, but that's about as much as you can do. Uh, And of course, uh, with- 
uh, DoorDash uh, kind of uh, taking a lot of fees away from local restaurants. Uh, local restaurants are especially hurting. So as a result, uh, yeah, uh, I just, I just kind of wanted to get the word out there about some great local spots that people should patronize. Uh, so, Yay. so yeah, baseball plus food. It's uh, certainly kind of a you know marriage made in heaven because you know what's more awesome than eating just like say an entire bowl of kimchi fries in front of. <laughs> Uh, watching the entire top of the White Sox order just go completely ballistic over, you know, the, I don't know, like the the, the Tigers rotation. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I had to bring it up. Come on! <laughs> no, it's true. Tigers are a nightmare. We we understand that. I mean, we Casey Mize's debut last year was very exciting, but Tim Anderson kind of put the kibosh on the excitement in that game. As I recall, yeah. God, yeah. he has destroyed us over the last three years. But my is a super exciting. I also got to see Tariq Scoobles debut as well. So yeah, really fun and exciting. I think I, you guys are just going to be very impressed and blessed to have him as a part of your, your squadron. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, food, baseball, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much my personality in a nutshell. Just, just those two things. If, if I could eat it, more watch it yeah that's i'm all for it beautiful that sounds great well you know we're low we're midwesterners we're connected are you from the chicago area originally or i am yes okay. indeed. yeah uh oh, yeah. So, yeah chicago uh, known for uh, pizza is probably the big thing i, I was actually looking at pe- like pictures of pizza before i joined <laughs> the gentleman tonight uh so there's a local spot that's not too far away from the stadium called uh pizza fried chicken ice cream that is literally the name of the restaurant i am um, in uh yeah if if the name didn't tip you off they serve pizza fried chicken and ice cream uh, so they make a really, they make a really fantastic Chicago style thin crust. Uh, so, so yeah, I was looking at uh, pictures from this establishment. Just uh, absolutely salivating. Uh, <laughs> I am a huge fan of Detroit style pizza too. Like I, I, there I, it is. I love it. Right. Yeah. Uh, my mom and I went to, I think, Buddy's. There it is, Buddy's. Yeah. Um, we were actually driving to Toronto. Uh, so we stopped at the one in Ann Arbor and had ourselves a nice Detroit-style pie. So We are Ann Arborites. I currently reside in Ann Arbor, and Mike is a graduate of the university. Wow. Cool. wow. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not obvious. I wear this every day, so it's not special. But – Buddies, that Buddies is actually a newer place. Uh, oddly enough, Ann Arbor never had a Buddies till what, like five years ago or so. Oh, maybe? not even. It's I think it's maybe three, four years now. Yeah, that was the newer Buddies, but still fantastic wow. addition to the lexicon of pizza in Ann Arbor, which is obviously University of Michigan, huge college town. Every pizza joint is represented there, so yeah, <laughs> you have the run of the the whole gamut of pizzas. But yeah, I like food. Deary loves food. Um, our restaurants are closed but not they're open for takeout but yeah the same kind of deal you guys have going on and uh i want to say i'm with all the restaurant workers out there that have been laid off and not been able to get paid we're with you we salute you we support you guys if any restaurant workers listen to the show we're with you thank you absolutely uh and also uh, for anyone listening uh tip very very well Uh, as a former delivery driver myself uh nothing made, made my day more than seeing a big fat old tip on on a credit card receipt. Uh, so, so yes, uh, I, I'm notoriously a good tipper. So yeah, I, I cannot stress enough to, for Christ's sakes, please, please tip. <laughs> We're in a pandemic. 
<laughs> no, Deary's uh, Deary's wife. Uh, she, yeah, she's a server. She's been a bartender. We, we all come from a deeply, uh, you know, serverish restaurant experience background. We've always tipped well. We we know the drill. So we've you're talking worked, to the right people. We've all there. worked the gig before, so we get it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I knew I was in good company. I knew. All right. Well, there it is. There's a little bit of an intro, they call it, on the show. Now we're going to move into something they call leading off. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, we have action and the hot stove. We got a lot going on here. George Springer signed with the Blue Jays. That was one of the bigger stories. But today we're recording on a Wednesday. What day is this? God, it's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. Wednesday, my dudes. I got lost there for a minute. My apologies. Yes, Wednesday evening. And this is the day of the Michael Brantley fiasco where there was a reporting of him going to the Blue Jays. But then it comes out that he signs a two-year, $32 million deal with the Houston Astros. And I think that is official now. So Brantley stays in Houston. I think that's exciting because he's a great player, underrated, older, 34 years old. But what do you think, Janice? Uh, Michael Brantley would have been a nice addition to Toronto. It probably made them too good and overcrowded. But in Houston, he can play every day, and they're still a pretty good team. Yeah, for sure. Uh I think uh, in Toronto, uh, it definitely would have been exciting. Uh, just talking to a couple of my Blue Jays fan friends, uh, they were absolutely pumped. They weren't necessarily sure where they would fit, uh, just mainly because uh, Randall they have Randall Grichuk. So, um, yeah. so uh, still, though, the smoke that I saw last night was that uh, it was uh, Springer himself that was trying to get Brantley uh, to kind of uh, join him. Yeah, they're buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're BFFs. I can understand that. I'd want my BFF to, you know, move to another country with me. Sure, sure. But oh, uh, of course, uh, yeah, I- I'm I'm guessing that perhaps the the tax situation in Texas is probably a little bit better. Um, just, uh, yeah. And so. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, just kind of a thinking from uh, from his perspective. Uh, yeah. And of course, he gets a, the chance to play every day. So it makes sense. It really does. Yeah. Michael Brantley is going to have a good season in Houston because he's just a great player. He's reliable and consistent. That's all you need to know. There's nothing more to it than that. He's going to play every day. He's going to give you a solid batting average. And in Roto Leagues in particular, I like him more than maybe in certain other situations. Uh, George Springer signs with the Blue Jays. You know, what else can you say about George Springer? It's been done. It's been said. He's a great player. He has injury concerns, which is a frustration of his. But George Springer in Toronto just solidifies that lineup and also gives them an experienced player now who can kind of show them the ropes about what it's like winning and being on a team that has done it all, like he did with the Astros. He's already went through that process. Because remember, guys, Remember when the Astros were like the up and coming team? Like they were the they were awful, right? And then they became like this better team a little bit by bit. Then they go to the playoffs for the first time in 2015. And that's because you know they win World Series. And then of course they end up being called cheaters, which sucks. I don't know if uh, you still have an issue with that, Janice, or not, but the Astros as cheaters, do you think they're assholes or Wow, just flat on, just like laying on you there. You think the Astros are assholes? 
and I think at this point it's kind of tempered out. Which yeah. I'm sure the Astros have kind of hoped that uh, everyone has kind of forgotten. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, I have not forgotten. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it honestly still kind of stings. I think I would probably be even more upset if I was a Dodgers fan. Uh, but uh, oh, they got theirs now, so they're good. Yeah, exactly. They have theirs now. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm sure the Astros were kind of watching uh, that Dodger World Series celebration and going, yes, another thing to kind of take the heat off of us. Great. Yeah. Great. Bygones be bygones. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, to, to clearly answer your question as to whether there's some bad blood there. I mean, I, th- I think there always will be. There always will be kind of a little bit of a, a, a little resentment there. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, I'm I'm over it, sort of, kind of. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> now that's how you really feel, honestly. No, Liam Hendricks, though, let's talk about that. Now, that was an exciting Ooh. day for you. You must have been thrilled when the White Sox locked in a closer who arguably around fantasy circles and in the major league circles is considered maybe the best reliever in baseball or one of the top three at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of his story is interesting. Like, what, two years ago he was DFA'd, and so now he is, uh, yeah, one of the highest paid closers in baseball. Or, or is he the highest paid? I think he's uh, got even a higher AAV than Chapman. I believe that's correct, yeah. And holy crap. Uh, yeah, it was super exciting. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know, like usually my knee jerk reaction whenever I hear a major signing uh, as a White Sox fan um, is uh, to go through a period of disbelief for a few moments. And so, uh, yeah, this even goes back to last offseason, too. So to give you guys some background, uh, I'm a I'm a known Yasmani Grandal apologist. Like I have loved him for a while, a very long time. Um I, I, I loved him when he was on the Brewers. I think uh, he absolutely just like helped that that team, like especially uh, when Yelich went down. Like he stepped up for them. Like the I, I could talk about the 2019 um, or the 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 Brewers 2019 until like my head falls off. But anyway, besides that, I saw that the White Sox signed Yasmani Grandal and I couldn't believe it. Like I was at work when I found out I had to go to the bathroom and just scream my head off for a moment. <laughs> like, yeah, um, one of my favorite players signing with my favorite team. Like how, like how often does that happen? That's absolutely amazing. Uh, so wait, 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 this, you had a Brewers fascination though. Is that what I'm, am I understanding this correctly? Uh, yeah, the TLDR is that, uh, yeah, I went to college in Milwaukee. Uh, mm. So the Brewers are my uh, adopted NL team. I, I still consider them very near and dear to my heart. Uh, so You yeah. may have a bat signed by Johnny Estrada. I yeah. do. I have a bat signed by Johnny Estrada and Chris Capuano. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> two legends. How yeah. about that? That's pretty cool. I don't have anything signed by anybody like that. So I, I used to have a Justin Verlander bowl, but I, I you sold it. That. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, that's all I would have bought it from you. It was it wasn't even worth anything though, man. I hate to break it to you, like it would you yeah you would have bought it for like fifteen bucks. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I remember the day it was signed too. It was at a fan fest. Uh, I was a scared college student. Uh, I was most certainly more uh more of a Chris Capuano fan than I was a Johnny Estrada fan, and I think Johnny Estrada kind of could tell that. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so his enthusiasm for signing that bat for me was less than enthusiastic. But I, I get it. I get it, Johnny Estrada. If I was in your shoes, I don't think I'd be too happy about signing that bat either. So. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Johnny. Oh, boy. You know, that takes me back. The Brewers are always a fun team in the NL. I mean, Deary, don't you always love the Brewers? I just like them. I love their offense. I love their the whole thing about the Brewers. It's just a Midwest classic to me. It's the mascot and the slide, man. You, you can't go wrong. Exactly. Exactly. See, What's his what name? I think Bernie Brewer. Yeah, that's Bernie right. Brewer. Yeah, yeah. You got to love it, man. That guy's terrifying. I mean, one, because I'm scared of things dressed up like that, and I'm scared of characters. But, boy, he's a beautiful what? man. You afraid of yeah. characters like that? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Take yeah. me to Disney World, and I will fucking lose my mind and run the other way. <laughs> wow. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry, Terry. That's yeah. You know what? I'm kind of with you there on Bernie Brewer. There, uh, I, I think anthropomorphic humans. Uh, there it is. Like, 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 what's even the fucking point there? Because I mean, you're already human, and you're just making like a, a, a character out of someone who's already supposed to be a human being. So we see Bernie Brewer, who is probably, you know possibly just you know went through this traumatic freak accident that just turned him into this large mustached like character who just has to smile all the time uh and and make brewers fans happy because he makes beer all day like you know so i don't know i just have this backstory for bernie brewer that he just carries all this pain and you know just kind of hides it uh just by you know just I don't know. I don't want to say just like drinking beer all day because that makes the story even sadder than it already is. That I just yeah. up, but where's the in-depth AMC show about mascots in the MLB and the drama that goes on in their <laughs> lives and the <laughs> the devastating backstories of Bernie Brewer and Paws? I would absolutely see that. I, I would see that. I honestly think the the other Brewers mascot. Uh, just makes so much more sense. Uh, so his name is Barrel Man, and he is, you guessed it, a barrel man. Like, he's literally a beer be barrel. Uh, anthropomorphic, though. So he's, like, half human, half barrel. So so, so maybe, like, he, he, actually, you know what? I take that back. He might even carry even more trauma than Bernie Brewer does because, you know, he doesn't even, like, he doesn't even exist in his own body. He's in a fucking barrel. <laughs> <laughs> This pod is off the rails immediately, and I love it. <laughs> you know what? Like, I, I came here, and I did my little prep where I typed in all of my notes. Like, oh, Tim Anderson's a bad bit monster. Oh, my God. And so, like, I expected to come here and just talk about that, right? But, no, here I am airing all my conspiracy theories about Brewer's mascots. and. <laughs> All of all of this like internal repressed trauma that they like have probably experienced. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Janice, if you go back to our archive of forty nine shows before this, about half of every show is what we're doing right now, just riffing on garbage. Blah blah blah. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am fitting in just perfectly here, just mainly because, uh, yeah, that that's like another thing I love. Like, I, I was a I was a raccoon in another life. I love garbage. Uh, so. Oh. Ooh, we love trash here. Let you yeah. fit right in. Absolutely. <laughs> You're listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Trash Podcast, where we talk about garbage, various pieces of trash that you'll find in leftover remnants by the side of the street. What's your, you know, if you had to go, what is your preference when it comes to garbage? What's the number one thing you would love most? 
Oh man, like if I were to kind of uh, go back in time and kind of, you know, relive my past life as a raccoon, yeah. I would immediately go to the nearest Taco Bell and, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't know, like, like maybe they discard nacho cheese uh, and just have like a giant vat in it. Like they say, oh, you know, this shit's expired. You should just throw it out now. <laughs> well, I'm guessing now because you know we're in in the the COVID uh, era. Oh yeah. Like, like people don't dine in anymore, so therefore you know y- you won't get your half-eaten Crunchwrap Supreme, which is preferably what I would like. Uh, so Crunchwrap Supreme overrated. What? What? Yeah, right, dear. It's trash. It's not it, one of the it's, top. Five. It's it's total hit or miss. It's either two bites and it's in the trash, or yes. it's three more bites and it's in the trash again because it's too fucking big. You haven't had it in Michigan, Janice. I don't know if you've had a Michigan Crunchwrap Supreme. So I, I don't think I have. I don't think I, don't I have. No, I don't think they're doing it right here. I, I swear they're not. But at any rate, I digress. So yeah, uh, Liam Hendricks, exciting news. Uh, it bolsters <laughs> the bullpen even further. That's what we were originally talking about, I believe. But. So how did we get from Liam Hendricks to imagining I was a raccoon and just throwing <laughs> ape shit at the local Taco Bell dumpster? How, 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 how did that happen? Uh, I have no idea. We're going to have to go back in time. And you can rewind this podcast and listen to yourself and find out right now. It's the Hey, It's Rico Plato Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are here live with Janice Scurio talking about hot stove stuff and garbage essentially. And sometimes people put their garbage on a hot stove and cook it. If they're desperate, <laughs> it's, it happens. It does happen. Uh, what about John Lester? John Lester signs a deal with the Nats, a one-year deal. No, no big deal. Not a lot of fanfare. Uh, I know you focus on the white Sox, obviously, but you're in Chicago. And uh, mm-hmm. even as a resident of Chicago, you got to respect a guy like John Lester. He's a hardworking dude. You know, he bought beer for like, what, like 40,000 people or something when he left. Uh, That's true. He did. That was pretty yeah. cool. That, that, that was really cool. That is, that, yeah. Um, so I appreciate John Lester. Um, yeah, the White Sox teed off of him uh, last year, which I especially appreciated. Uh, what, the White Sox went 14-0 and 0 against left-handed pitching? So, wow. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I love John Lester. Great He's great. Yeah. Jesus. No, seriously, that's legit. It makes, that's it, nice. makes, it makes sense. I mean, they just have a plethora of amazing right-handed bats. They're just going to bomb on you. Yeah, they must have torched Daniel Norris. I'm sure they did. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's possible. Tarek Skubal. They probably did. Yeah, Tarek Skubal. They definitely got him, too. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, that, that is probably my, my, my best 2020 John Lester uh, memory right there. Alrighty. Well, there it is. That's leading off with Janice Scurio. We're talking about the hot stove action. If you have any questions, you can always email the show Palazzo podcast at protonmail.com or you can tweet at us DM. You can also check out our new Facebook page. It is available. Just type in Palazzo podcast and you'll find it. We hate Facebook, but we do use it. Sorry. We apologize up front. All right, Janice, let's switch gears. We're already talking garbage and other nonsense. Let's get into Enrico's Inquisition. Can you handle it? Oh, man, probably as well as I can handle a Crunchwrap Supreme right now. Oh, well, I think you're going to do a little bit better than that, but here we go. Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer, 
has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. Oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. That's right, Janice. You're stepping into the Enrico Inquisition Zone, where we're going to ask you some random things, and you can choose them any way you want, and you can also put any type of spin on it that you so choose. What do you say? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. All right. Arrested Development or Shit's Creek? Ooh, Shit's Creek. Oh. Oh, that's a quick response. Okay. Uh, sandwiches or hamburgers? Sandwiches. I, I say this because uh, my all-time favorite sandwich is the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, so it's, it's How original. Exactly. It's, it's, it's versatile. It's timeless. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a mainstay. But I, I don't know if you guys realize, yeah, they, they actually put peanut butter on burgers here. It's a, oh, a very mm. interesting combination. I like it. I don't think I'd put peanut butter and jelly on a burger, but... I've had one of those, uh, when I moved to Philadelphia briefly a couple of years ago, this bar served a uh, peanut butter burger thing. It was the first time I ever had it, and I love peanut butter, I do, but I don't know if it worked for me. Is it crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Uh, the one I had was smooth. Okay. I also had smooth, I believe, yes. Maybe crunchy would have been better. I don't know. It wasn't so much about the taste. I just didn't think that particular burger mixed well together. But there's different ways to do peanut butter burgers. So don't worry about it, people. If you like peanut butter burgers, knock yourselves out. <laughs> um, do you prefer SpongeBob SquarePants or Rugrats? SpongeBob SquarePants. Goodness. Yeah, that was kind of an easy one, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, I teed off on that one. Uh, Matt Albers or Josh Hader? Matt Albers, Jesus. Of course I'm going to pick the pitcher that just hits doubles. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> was that obvious? I don't know. Yeah, was the one that, one that doesn't have, like, racist tweets. So, Oh. Uh... <laughs> you know, let me ask you about that, because I think about this a lot. We've actually never really talked about that on the show, because we weren't doing the show when that stuff came up, but... You know, if someone's young and, and you're dumb and you're stupid, when you're four, when I was 14, I was so stupid. I'm not proud of a lot of things I did when I was a little kid and teenager. And I grew and mature, though. I'm a, I'm a good person now because I understand what's right and wrong. And sometimes teenagers do things to just piss people off for no reason. They don't understand the real world. Now, I'm not excusing anyone's behavior. It's just something I thought about. I'm, I'm curious what you think about that whole angle about when people are online and they say things. I mean... You know, Jared Porter, for example, was an adult, so that doesn't count at all. I mean, the guy's a fucking adult, so I wipe that away immediately, and I dismiss him immediately without any second thought of it. But I, I think differently when people are younger and they do dumb things. What do you think about that? I think, too, when you're younger, you're also the product of the environment you're raised in. Uh, so I think that definitely had a huge uh, contributing fact- factor to it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm no different. Um, I was raised in a pretty questionable environment myself uh, so it definitely took a lot of outside learning and introspection to kind of unlearn a lot of those behaviors uh so uh, so yeah um i think in hater's case he was like 17 18 so i think that's kind of mm, that, that that's like maybe borderline there uh, mm. so uh, again though 
uh, everything is on social media now. So, I mean, I, th I think if you're um, a, a young, just hot prospect, uh, definitely what you put on social media is important. Uh, you should definitely watch what you say. Uh, kind of watch your behavior, watch your conduct online, uh, because you never know who's watching. Like you, you, you never know who's going to, you know, hear the, the right thing, who's going to hear the wrong thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's all a lesson in personal responsibility. I, I can't even believe what my behavior would have been like if social media was around when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. <laughs> I am so happy that it was not because I was a jackass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's how I see it. That's all. And and I know that humans are fallible and we fuck up and we do dumb shit. But there's a difference between malicious intent and cruelty that you will dedicate your life to and then doing dumb stuff that unfortunately continues like pervasive stereotypes and negativity towards minority groups and people who don't deserve that. And there's also a historical context that comes into play with what individual people do. And it just... I don't defend anything that hurts people. I don't do that. But I, as someone who's training to be a psychologist and like a counselor myself, I understand the psyche and when people do dumb things or regrettable things that they truly are remorseful for, I think they deserve to be given like a second chance or at least like an understanding of, hey, all right, you made a mistake, you try to do better and you grew from it. I'll give you a thumbs up on that. But the people who are adamant, like, you know, fuck them. I mean, fuck them. Right. There's, no, there's no changing them. So. There you Simple go. Three there, yeah. The more you know. There it is. All right. Uh, how about? Uh, I don't know if I'm pronounce this right. Is it fennel sausage? Fennel. 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 Yeah. You know what fennel is, Mike? I don't. Look at me, Deary. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little spice or a little herb that you put in yeah, uh, your sausages. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a typical herb that you see. In, in yeah, in sausage, Italian sausage in particular, mm -hmm. will typically have it. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, okay, well, that blows up my spot because I was going to say fennel sausage or Italian sausage, but that's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. So yeah, both. Fuck! Give God it to me. It. Give me all of it. Give me all of the sausage. You're going to learn today, it. Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Boy, I, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm very sorry about that. Of course, um, it's, it's a learning experience. We learn and we grow, right? Exactly. Yeah. See, look. That's what I'm hoping other people will be listening, be like, wow, I didn't know that either. And now they know. And that's what's most important to me is that we all learn and grow together. Would you prefer to deal with a manipulative person or a callous person? That's not an easy choice. Wow, this is deep. <laughs> going like deep into my psyche. <laughs> hey, we, we put it to you on this show. I think I would rather deal with a manipulative person, uh, just mainly because, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think I am also somewhat manipulative uh, to a degree, uh, but you know what, like I, I'm always very mindful of my manipulativeness, where I, I definitely know like how to not necessarily, not necessarily control other people's reactions, but I definitely know how to make people feel special. And so, oh. I guess one example I can pull without making myself sound like too much of an asshole is, uh, so I, I have a friend uh, who's an artist. Uh, she uh, very much so uh, takes her art very seriously. So of course, like say when I'm trying to get on her good side, I will talk about her art and ask her kind of 
where she's going uh, with it, like what she's been doing lately. Uh, she doesn't listen to podcasts, nor, and she doesn't like baseball too, so she does not listen oh. to this. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, I guess uh, I can kind of recognize those behaviors pretty early. Uh, so, but I don't know if, if someone was being callous with me, I, I would would not have a very good time with that. So, uh, yes, yeah, try to manipulate me all you want. <laughs> Dear, what about you? That's a tough one. I don't even know what either word means, so we'll just pass. Oh, okay, great. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do a couple more here. Uh, sliders or curveballs? We always ask this one. Ooh, I don't know. I, I love a good curveball. Right? Right, yeah. I, I, th- I, think about, uh, I think about someone's curveball pretty often. I don't know if you guys <laughs> can, can, like, guess. Like, th- th- there is, like, one pitcher in the Probably. League. No, no, no. He's not on the White Sox. Uh, there, there's someone uh-huh. who's curveball, I think, is absolutely fantastic. And, I, and I'm not just saying that. Corbin Burns. No. Like, I, I'm not just saying that Clayton he's Kershaw. Because, no, 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 let me finish the sentence. <laughs> I'm not saying he has a great curveball because he's also very attractive. Like, he actually has a pretty fantastic curveball. Hmm. Think of the more attractive men in the league. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should yell at my wife and bring her down here. Yeah, I don't know. I give up. What's the answer? <laughs> Tyler Glass now. <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't want to stretch this out any, any more a- than I already have. But, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a large, beautiful man that has a really fantastic curveball. I, like, I, I just... Yeah, what was that picture of him a couple months ago? Everybody was salivating over. I remember that. It's a, a picture of him where he's ex- explaining like how he gets the break on his yeah. ball and how like like I, I guess like he has carpal tunnel, so the tendons in his arm. Uh, I, I'm left-handed, so that's why I'm using like my my left hand up. So uh, yeah, he's explaining how the tendons in his arm like shortened from having carpal tunnel. So like instead of just like throwing it a certain way, like he has to kind of like move it a different way. And so it was kind of like an unexpected serendipitous break that he got on this curveball. So uh, how about that? Yeah, I remember yeah. that now. People yeah, were, uh... yeah, yeah. So so, so yeah, th- th- that's what he was explaining. But of course, I mean, like you're not like fucking listening to anything he says. You're just being like, like, why is this beautiful man talking words at me? <laughs> this guy's a cheater. He's got wrist implants. Oh boy! Wow. Wrist implants. <laughs> Accusations are flying. That's hardcore. Uh, you prefer Lizzie J's or Bat Seventeen? Oh my goodness! Impossible. Man, you, Impossible. Been me. You've been stalking me. Goodness. <laughs> well, we do our research on this show sometimes. Um. All right. I'm going to lean. Uh, I'm. I'm going to lean Lizzie J's actually. Um, oh. So, uh, Bat Seventeen, uh, I've I've been to quite a bit, and I guess for uh, the purpose of fairness, I've only been to Lizzie J's once, and I was absolutely blown away. Uh, they have a really great chicken and waffle sandwich. I really loved it. Um, just I, I just like pulled over and ate it in my car. Um, I, I eat all my meals in my car. It's uh, not as sad, sad as it sounds. Uh, no. Really, seriously, right place to eat. Yeah. Oh, totally. You know. You know. You got to eat it while it's hot. It's nice and yeah. warm, like, I, you know, there, there's some good music playing, there's some ambiance, there's, like, a lot, lot of trash in the backseat, like, my dog bones you in the just described seat. every car I've had for the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
Uh, yeah. So Bat 17, I'm um, a great restaurant not too far away from where I live uh, in Evanston. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's more, it, it's very college-y. Uh, so the, the, the menu is like 80 pages long. They have every sort of like just burger and breakfast sandwich and just beer you can think of. Uh, fantastic restaurant. I've like eaten there 50 billion times. Uh, so just for, just for the sake of frequency, I'm gonna go with Lizzie J's. There you go. Um, Pabst or Miller High Life? <laughs> Not great. So, so um, Pabst Blue Ribbon, to clarify? Yeah, yeah, definitely Pabst Blue Ribbon. I'm, I apologize. All right, no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, I, I'll probably go with a PBR uh, just because, you know, just brings back memories of being broke as hell at punk shows and kind of standing uh Standing in the back and, you know, with my hands in my pockets, you know, standing with my friends and being like, you like this band? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, th- I, th- I think they're all right. Oh, actually, I think they're all right, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. You want another beer? Yeah, I want another beer. Cool. All right. So definitely brings back a lot of those memories. That is really, really good. That- <laughs> I could see you. Uh, me and Deary have probably been at those shows, too, so... To some garbage punk band playing, and we're like, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, lastly, for love or for money? Ooh, ooh, aren't they both the same thing? Oh, no one's ever said, has someone said that before? I don't know if nope. they have. No, we get a definitive answer immediately. Usually, usually, point. usually, yeah. but I, I'm not surprised Janice is gonna think this one through. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. a political thinker, yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm just going to go on another, like, 20-second rant on, like, why I think, uh, I don't know. I, I can't even think of anything crazy up top. Or, or, or why I think um, Luis Roberts stealing fly balls from Eloy Jimenez is fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's because it is hilarious. But, uh, yeah. yeah, both of you are sitting there and being like, answer the fucking question. Like, okay. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with love. Love. Final answer. Final answer. Wow. Beautiful. That is. That's what we like to hear on the show. I think eighty uh, percent of most of the responses have been love. Yeah, eighty oh, percent at oh. least. Yeah, there's not oh. a lot. There's not enough in it. Uh, what the hell am I saying? There's not enough of it in this world. I mean, yeah, I could always use more money, but. Yes. Yeah. It's what the world needs now. Love, sweet love. That's right. Janice Furio has survived Enrico's Inquisition. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, got, got a scratch too. Good. Yeah, I think it was pretty flawless, painless and flawless. That's all you can ask for. Well done. <clears throat> Don't forget, this is the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network, and you can check out the Data Monster, which is now available on rotafanatic.com. It's a data tool, analytical. Going to break down hitters, prospects, pitchers. Paul Mamino, all the guys at Road Fanatic doing excellent work there. It's got comparable stats all the way back to 2015. Do yourself a favor and don't miss out on it. All right, let's switch gears and get into our fantasy breakdown. It's time for us to drop some knowledge, uh, maybe learn a thing or two about the White Sox. What do you guys think? I think it could be a lot of fun, you know. Let's all go to school. That's right. School is now in session. Janice Curiel, you're going to teach us what we need to know about the 2021 White Sox. Not every single player, 
but we're going to cover a fair amount of them. We want to know about the hitters, the pitchers, and the guys who are going to make a difference on our fantasy rosters in 2021. So why don't we start with hitters? And to me, right off the bat, the guy I love. I love this guy. I hate to admit it. And I think Deary, I think Deary likes him too, because it's hard not to like the guy. He's a lot of fun. Tim Anderson is an outstanding shortstop. He took his game to another level a couple years ago when he won the batting title in 2019. And then everyone's like, well, 2020, is he going to be able to continue what he did? And I know it was a short season, which we always say on this show. But Tim Anderson showed me this guy is the real deal. I love him as a shortstop. What else can you tell us about Tim Anderson that we don't already know, Janice? Absolutely. So you know that he's a big personality, great player. He's also a fantastic human being. Uh, He runs a charity uh, with his wife, uh, helping uh, a lot of uh, disadvantaged uh, youth in Chicago. Uh, So uh, yeah, while that's not going to help your fantasy team, it's good to know because it's easy to root for the guy. He's he's just so incredibly likable. Also down to earth and super humble. Uh, But other than that, yeah, he was the batting champ in 2019. He very well could have been the 2020 batting champ. But uh, yes, DJ LeMahieu just kind of pulled ahead uh, just in the nick of time. Uh, But that's not to discount uh, that Tim Anderson did have a really good 2020. Um, He did finish seventh place uh, in the AL MVP race. The cool thing about Tim Anderson is he can hit anything. He can hit pretty much any pitch. So if he just reads pitches very well, he adjusts last minute. He's got some fantastic bat-to-ball skills. Uh, like I mentioned before, somewhat jokingly, he's a BABIP monster. Is, do you guys pronounce it as BABIP? Or do you, do you have like a – you guys know what I'm talking about. No, it's BABIP. 399 in, in 2019 yeah. for Anderson. That's insane. Yep. Yep, indeed. Uh, so in 2020, it was 383. His career average is 348. Uh, so one thing that a lot of people got on Tim in 2019 is his defense, but even that improved in 2020. So awesome. I'm really happy to say he finished with a positive uh, DRS in 2020. I believe it was at five. So uh, yeah, he attempts to do really difficult plays. So yeah, part of the battle has been kind of exercising discipline and to know when to stick it in his pocket to become a much more intelligent defender. So uh, yeah, another thing that I just kept writing about um, when I was watching Tim Anderson is definitely that weighted runs created plus stat. Uh, it was a yeah. career high 143 in 2020. Uh, so there's so much to love about this guy. Um, his postseason was also pretty ridiculous, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, he slashed uh, 643, 643 for an on-base percentage. Like, holy shit. Uh, 786 was a slugging. But, uh, yeah, he's just a fantastic dude o- overall. And I'm glad he's like the most tenured player on the White Sox, too. So I'm glad he's stuck around. Yeah, he's like the elder statesman now on that team, isn't he? Yeah, he's even been around longer than Abreu, uh, which I at first thought I, I thought Abreu was the longest tenured White Sox, but alas, he is not. Really? Yeah, yeah. Shit. <laughs> God, I would have thought Abreu for sure. Uh, like 2014 or 24. Wow, that's interesting. Um, oh, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Abreu comes up in 2014, right? Yes, and Tim Anderson was drafted in 2013. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. There it is. We're talking semantics here. So Yeah, there you go. We're talking about how long he's been a part of the organization, regardless of Major League Service time. There you go, yeah. I I give away to you completely on that. (laughs) That's cool, though. Tim Anderson, Deary, we love this guy, even though he plays against our Tigers, right? 
Well, yeah, as everyone knows, he destroys our Tigers. Uh, you know, looking at NFBC ADP right now, he's going off the board as the ninth shortstop. If he's the ninth shortstop off the board and you grab him, you're going to be pretty pleased with what you get. Obviously, the thing that a lot of people knock is his you know low walk percentage, 4.5 last year, 2.9 in his batting title year. But, you know, Janice talked about the BABIP is just absolutely insane. And if he can steal 20 bases – he has the opportunity to be a top five or top six shortstop, especially if you can, you know, add that, you know, to possible 20 home runs. And the guy's going to have so many fucking runs this year with that lineup and him leading off. So I think he's an absolute stud and I'm targeting him in many leagues. Yep. I think you would do yourself a service. You could skip all these elite shortstops outside of Trey Turner, because if you want steals and you're building a roto squad, Trey Turner is the guy who's going to give you those steals. Obviously, Adalberto Mondesi will do the same, but the guy who'll give you everything is Tim Anderson, and you can draft him later on. I really don't think you're selling yourself short. I don't see how there's going to be a big difference between what Mondesi does, besides the steals. I give you the steals, but besides steals, Tim Anderson does everything, and I'm going to be waiting on him if I can. He's going 40 ADP on average. That's great. I would love to jump on him. And what Janice said is true. This guy makes contact with the ball anywhere, outside of the zone, inside of the zone. He has a high BABIP, and he's always going to be a high BABIP guy, right? So that's not like a fluke. It's not like, oh, his BABIP's high. He's lucky. No, that's just the player that he is. We all we all love Tim Anderson. Plus, he's only 27 years old, so he's only going to keep getting better. Right. We love you, Tim, from Detroit and Chicago. Thumbs up. <laughs> Kisses, love, hug, all that stuff, whatever. We love you. Uh, just don't beat up on our – yeah, look at that. Janice giving <laughs> kisses out for free. Don't beat up on our youngsters, though, in Detroit. It's not cool, okay? Casey Mize, Derek Scrubble, don't take no crap from Tim Anderson, even though he's good. Eloy Jimenez. Now, in a fantasy realm, Janice, Eloy Jimenez is a guy that uh, I just think he's replaceable later on in drafts because he's a power guy. Now, if you're going to tell me he's going to hit for average – then you're going to change my mind. But I do not see him as that type of player. I see him as a 45 home run, massive power bopper. But that's about it. Am I wrong? Or what do you think? No, you're not wrong at all. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Zips projection has Eloy hitting 34 home runs uh, next year, which, uh, yeah, I, I at first I actually kind of thought that was a little um, – not necessarily far-fetched is the word I want to use, but I just kind of saw the, you know, 30 plus and was like, oh, okay, all right, cool. So, uh, yeah, he does make good contact. Uh, his plate discipline could definitely be a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, just definitely the 141 weighted runs created plus uh, certainly contributed this season. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, uh, yeah, he's pretty good in the fact that he just mashes home runs at a pace of one per every 15 at-bats, and he also drove in 41 runs in 55 games. Uh, and, yeah, he also makes it just look effortless, too. So, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you that he's definitely a little bit more of a power guy. Uh, I don't know how much defense factors into fantasy, but he's kind of a pain in the ass defensively, in my opinion. Uh, he, he, I don't know if you guys saw, but he fell into a net – uh, <laughs> he so couldn't he, get out of it. Turned into yeah. inside yeah, the parker. Yeah, it was it was like hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't hilarious at the time. It was definitely kind of um, more of a you kind of had to be there type situation. Yeah. But uh, other than that, yeah, he's just a, a guy that could absolutely mash. 
Um, everyone kind of calls him a future DH, which I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he does get better in left field. Um, but of course, with uh, someone as good as Luis Robert kind of stealing fly balls from him, maybe he doesn't need to improve that much on his on his defense. But anyway, I'll let you guys air your air your thoughts on Eloy. Yeah, it's kind of an embarrassing moment for Eloy. That's okay, Eloy. We all have embarrassing moments, and you know you got to own it and move forward. Deary, the thing I'm concerned about is is he going to be an OBP guy now? If he can walk more and raise his plate discipline pro- the plate discipline profile, then I'm going to take him in points leagues and OBP base leagues a lot higher. But otherwise, I really feel like Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, even Giancarlo Stanton, if he can be healthy, can easily replace what Eloy's doing like many, many picks later. Yeah, the walk rate is not nice, and OBP is, you know, there's a lot left to be desired there, but if you can tell me this guy's going to have 35 home runs, 90 runs, and over 100 RBIs, I'm buying that all day. But to your point, Mike, there are guys that you can find 20, 30 spots later that can certainly give the same production. And Aaron Judge, you know, George Springer could possibly do it. Maybe not as many home runs. You know, even a guy like maybe Teoscar Hernandez is going almost 35, 40 spots lower than Eloy. Uh, you know, those are other good options. But, I mean, I think he's dependable. I mean, we'll, we'll see as he progresses here whether, you know, that walk rate's going to be better. But he's also going to be batting like sixth in this lineup. So there's going to be guys on base when he comes up to bat. So I don't think he's going to be looking to walk. I think he's going to be chasing for uh, stakes and home runs. Oh, no argument here. Uh, he also pulled the ball less in 2020 than he did in 2019 by 7%. Now, again, it's a small sample size. I understand. Uh, that's just something that I'll be watching as well. I, I would expect that to correct in 2021 over a full season. But keep an eye on it because the ground ball rate also went up about 5 4 5%. And that's... Hey, I think Janice, you can agree. We don't want Eloy hitting ground balls. No, we do not. No, sir. <laughs> no. <Love> them bombs. <laughs> Jose Abreu. Now, this to me is probably the most interesting character on this section because Jose Abreu had the MVP season. It was a great little run there in a 60-game sample, and I just wasn't buying it. I'm not buying it now. I won't be buying it later. I think it's cool. He's a cool dude. Uh, he... Totally, totally outperformed Ruzni Castillo, another Cuban who was signed by the Red Sox. <laughs> He's still in their system, Mike. Oh, he just got let go. He's, he went to oh, Japan. Oh, it's over? Yeah, it's uh, finally over. Ruzni Castillo was paid handsomely to do nothing, and now he's off to Japan to maybe reignite his career. But anyways, Ruzni Castillo and Jose Abreu came over at the same time, and Jose Abreu always said that God, Ruzni was the most talented guy, but he just couldn't put it together. That doesn't matter, Janice. What I am curious is... Is it repeatable what he did in 2020? I mean, it's possible it's repeatable, but is it likely? I mean, might he come back down to earth a little bit? Or will it be even better because of this ridiculous lineup he's a part of? Well, to preface, uh, Jose Abreu was predicted to regress by every projection model. Um, And Jose Abreu basically said... (laughs) (laughs) And turned that right upside down, too. So, yeah. So, not only did he have... 
an AL MVP season. Uh, he also won his third silver slugger, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. 19 home runs, and that's in a shortened season. Like, what if the one, the full 162 was played? Like, I'm sure that number probably would have been pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the thing with a Jose Abreu is he's an RBI guy. So he's led the AL in RBI for two consecutive years, and I'm sure that's nothing to sneeze at right there. Um, so yeah, and also led the league with 60 RBIs in 60 games. Like I, I don't think that day passed where there was there there were no RBIs for Jose Abreu. Um, his hit streak was also pretty exciting too. Um, believe it was uh, yeah 30 games uh, where he just like had hits after hits after hits. That's 50 percent of the season. That, that that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, so he led in slugging percentage, hits, and total bases. Uh, so yeah, still one of the best hitters in the league. And he was also a Gold Glove finalist too. Like that's like absolutely insane. He just had a, an amazing year all around. Fair enough. I'll give you that. And I don't want to rain on his parade. He's a good dude, solid player, and probably underrated in certain seasons. Deary, Jose Breu, would you rather wait? First base is not as deep as it may seem, but it is deep enough where you might be able to replicate some of his stats, depending on league situation. You know, I dropped my first base rankings today on Twitter, and I had Jose right. Abreu. I was, I was almost shocked that I had him there. I had him at number three. Wow. Behind, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was shocked I had him there, but here's here's why. I mean, he, he's batting in the middle of that order, so he's going to have a million RBIs. What I've seen him do, basically his whole career, is he uses all parts of the field, and I love guys that can hit to all parts of the field. That's really going to help your average. And I don't care if you like hard hit rate or exit velocity, but he destroys the ball when he hits it. So his hard hit rate is just incredible. And his exit velocity is always over 90. Uh, he's also a guy who's been incredibly healthy besides 2018 when he only played in 128 games. He's basically been averaging 154 games a year. So he's solid right there. So if he can, you know, continue to stay healthy, I think the numbers are going to be there. He's a, he's a professional hitter. He's been in the league, what, seven, eight years now. So even if there's some regression, I still think you're going to be pretty happy with 30 home runs over a hundred RBIs should happen easily. And in, and, you know, probably 80 runs. So I'm a believer, uh, maybe number three for first baseman might be a little out there, maybe a little too high, but I think he's going to be dependable. And I think you'll be happy if you have him on your team. I think every White Sox player I'm going to talk about today, I'm just going to gloat over. I, I'm in love with this team. He's in love with this team. Yeah, that's beautiful. Jose Abreu actually at number three, first baseman is quite reasonable. Now that I realize that, uh, let's talk about uh, one more or two more hitters. Uh, Janice, who, what other hitter would you like to talk about that we haven't discussed? Huh. Um, yeah, I think a, a hitter that I think is probably uh, going to be uh, yeah, fantastic, uh, is, is already pretty fantastic, is uh, Luis Robert. Mm. So, uh, yeah, just missed a rookie of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was his first season. Uh, again, a shortened season. Uh, but uh, near the end, definitely kind of uh, had some issues kind of seeing the ball. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, he's – someone else described him as being the Vitruvian prospect. He does just, like, absolutely everything. He's, he's also very fast in real life. And so <laughs> while uh, you guys were uh, – 
were yapping. I looked up his steals. So let's see. In 2020, he had... Let's see. I lost the number. But anyway. He had nine in 2020. Nine. Ah, there we go. There we go. I see oh, it. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was mine. So, uh, so, yeah. I think there's definitely some room for opportunity there. Uh, walk rate actually is not horrible. For He also did have a pretty high strikeout rate. But he has demonstrated some, uh, some forms of patience. So, uh, other than that, uh, yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that he is absolutely going to explode in 2021. Wow. Absolutely explode. Okay. You know, the rookie of the year was his to lose. It really was. He got all of the hype coming into the season and Kyle Lewis stole it from him. He really did. Um, and I give him credit for that because Lewis had a really fine season. <laughs> in the end, I think this guy's growing and we need to be patient because he will develop and he'll cut down the K's and he'll work on his patience. The only question I have is where he hits in the order, will they allow him to steal? He was one of the guys that was able to steal the most on the team last year. But if that changes, I wonder if that affects his stolen bases. That's my main concern because his elite high ranking in fantasy is based in part on a, being like a 30-30 type guy. Deary, uh, anything else that comes to mind with Mr. Robert? He's only had 227 plate appearances. So at some point, he's going to struggle at the major league level. We haven't seen it yet. He strikes out a ton. He struck out a ton in the minors. I, I like the player, but I think he might be going a little too high right now. Uh, we talked about whether you like Kyle Tucker or Luis Robert on the last pod, and I, I like Tucker a little more. I might even think I like Eloy Jimenez a little more than, than Robert. But, I mean, the... I really need to figure out where he's going to bat in this order. What are they going to do with Nick Madrigal? What are they going to do with that center field uh, or not center field, whatever they're going to do with, uh, you know, Adam Eaton and who else is going to battle with Eaton. Um, I mean, Robert could bat anywhere from second, third, the order to maybe eighth in the order. So I really have no idea where he's going to bat. And I think that's going to affect his steals greatly. Janice, do you know where he's going to bat in the lineup? Any ideas? Uh, last year we saw him a lot in the the seventh and eighth spot. Uh, so uh, as for next year, uh, or, or this year, next year, um, what day is this? <laughs> <laughs> what day is it today? Um, yeah, I no lead of... <laughs> too early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see him kind of sticking around in that same spot in the order. I don't know, maybe even uh, just just uh, thinking, uh, doing some some lineup uh, some lineup Tetris here. Um, <laughs> I love that game. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that steals would kind of be affected by where he is in the lineup. But uh, but yeah. I love Madrigal in the nine spot. That's fine. Be in the nine spot, steal bases all day, and just hit for average. Never hit a home run, but I love Madrigal. I do, because I love what he is, and that's all I need to know. Last guy I want to talk about real quick on the hitting side is Moncada. This guy's the big mystery more than any, in my opinion because we don't know if the COVID ruined him last year or not. We do know that there was some truth to that, but in 2021 is Mankata finally going to explode and be the best. Possibly he could be the best player on this team. Goodness. I hope, I hope. I would uh, love to see that. I saw him by the way, in the minor leagues, me and uh, my friend, Steve Guile, we saw him in when he played at Charleston in single a, and uh, oh. we sat right behind home plate and he was so much bigger than everybody already. This was in 2015 and he was had these huge shoulders and, 
he was he just looked like a, a stud. And, yeah, he was uh, still in the Sox organization, the Red Sox, that is. The Red That's Sox, right. yeah. This was but anyway, sorry, um, go ahead. Before the Chris Sale trade. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, last year was certainly a huge outlier for Mankata and the fact that, yeah, I mean, COVID uh, definitely kind of like took a, a lot out of that. And uh, yeah, he definitely uh, slumped. And but when he did hit, he hit triples, which I thought was really odd. I believe uh, he hit a career high uh, three triples. I think I'm just like pulling that number off the top of my head here. But uh, yeah, I noticed that after he would hit these triples, he would just look so incredibly winded. Like he would just look as if like he was like really, really struggling. Uh, mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, your guess is as good as mine as to whether um, a lot of that uh, has been worked out by now. Uh, it, it's been brought up quite a bit, uh, especially in uh, White Sox circles. So, uh, yeah, that, that's honestly the big question mark there is, uh, yeah, I, I really can't uh, make any uh, solid predictions on Moncada, just mainly because, like, I, I know he has the ability to be fantastic, but with last season it's still a huge question mark so. oh he's so tantalizing though he's so tantalizing so and i would rather wait for him at third base around pick 80 80 uh 85 adp roughly i really would skip everything up front i mean jose ramirez is unique but outside of jose ramirez like i think you could replace what bregman does and even what devers does in boston with Mankata at third base that's what i that's what I've been trying to do, dearie. That uh, plan hasn't always worked out, and I kind of screwed myself in the Battle of the Podcast League because I, I didn't pick a third baseman until, like, pick 200. <laughs> I think I had Edwin Rios starting at third, which Ooh, is not a guarantee. There you go. Yeah. yeah. But, Isak Paredes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had so many shares of Moncada coming into last year based on that 2019 season. And remember when we first started the pod last year, Mike, the big thing we talked about with Moncada was that insane BABIP he had in 19, a 406, which mm-hmm. led to that 315 average. He obviously did not hit for a great average in his three years in the minors. The highest in World War II. It was insane. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Jesus, the potential is there. Uh, and, you know, that walk rate last year was pretty good. And he had a good walk rate uh, with with the White Sox in his rookie year and his second year. So if that walk rate can stay over 10, I'd really, you know, another question, where's he going to bat in this order? Cause he's going to have a ton of chances for RBIs depending on where he's at. Actually, you know what, whoever, wherever you are slotted in this lineup, you're going to probably have 80 RBIs. It, like it doesn't even matter. It's so tantalizing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably waiting on him. Uh, just not waiting too long and where I end up with an Edwin Rios like Mike did. It's a true story, folks. Don't let that happen to you. All right, uh, let's talk pitching real quickly here. Uh, boy, we're taking forever, so I want to kind of I want to dial in on this, uh, Janice. I want you to talk about any pitcher on the whole staff that you really want to talk about more than any other right now. Whoever it is, any of them, the floor Probably, is yours. Yeah, uh, the pitcher that I cannot shut up enough about is Lucas Giolito. Uh, I, I think he's just absolutely fantastic. Again, kind of in the same uh, vein where he's sort of the pitcher equivalent of Tim Anderson, just a super, just fun, great, likable guy, Uh, loves cats. Uh, He's he's always just, if if you see a picture of him on his Instagram, he's always like, he has a cat in his hand or a cat on his head. Got a cool Twitch Um, channel too. Yeah, yeah. He's got an awesome Twitch channel. Uh, he's a super friendly guy, always open to answering questions, demonstrating his pitch grips. Uh, and yeah. 
yeah, uh, just just open to chatting. Just perhaps one of the most laid back guys I have ever seen in the game. Uh, but yeah, not only that, but uh, yeah, he's an inning, innings eater. Uh, he essentially relies on change, changing speeds between his fastball changeup. Uh, he is certainly a strikeout pitcher. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much his uh, his his shtick right there. Uh, so the changeup is is put away pitch. Uh, it garners high strikeouts. Uh, last season, he matched his career high twice. Uh, which was really awesome to see the second time being a no hitter. So uh, wow. yeah, perhaps uh, everyone, uh, well, not everyone, but I, I think he's definitely uh, vying for a side within the next couple of years, maybe next year. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, he certainly wins games uh, for the White Sox. Um, watching him pitch has just been an absolute treat. Uh, he's fun to watch. Um, and even just kind of watching his transformation between 2018 and 2019, where he just uh, tightened things up, shortened his arm action. Uh, so his ERA just improved drastically. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just a great guy with a lot of things going for him. But I'll let y'all so uh, sound off and tell me what you think about Lucas Giolito. Oh, you said it. He's great. End of story. Probably will win a Cy Young this year. That's it. I would take him as the top six starting pitcher for sure yeah he's going number seven overall right now on nfbc in terms of starting pitching you know i, I look at some of these projections you know i'm on fangrass right now it, it's so wild when you look at zips has him projected as a three era streamer hasn't projected as a 4.15 i think he's more of a closer to three than 4.15 i mean janice hit all the notes on this one i mean he's a strikeout pitcher he's clearly learned how to pitch in the league you know 19 and 20 he was just absolutely epic with strikeouts you know he had a really bad first couple starts last year and then really got it together so throw out those two bad starts and that walk rate doesn't look as bad and that era is definitely below 3.48 and i think he was just trending towards the rest of the year being really really solid and he probably could have been a guy that would have been in the race for cy young last year so i, th I think he's super dependable i think he's a guy that you're targeting I believe Zips even has him as the top ranked pitcher, if I'm not mistaken. I believe he's, yeah, he's apparently number one. They have him going 16 7. Wow. Uh, yeah, I like that. That makes me feel good. Uh, Garrett, Cro how do you say it? Is it crochet or croquet? Crochet, just, yeah. just like the art. So there's knitting and there's also crochet. There is. Yes, my grandma knew something about that. Garrett Crochet, <laughs> can he? What if something happens to Liam Hendricks? Is Garrett Crochet possibly the guy who can step in the role as closer? First of all, let me find some wood to knock on here. You know, so I'm knocking on wood for you too. <laughs> all right, so uh, he, Garrett Crochet was literally drafted last year, like literally, like he was still in his college uniform when the White Sox said, "Hey, you know, um, you know, we're in the first round, eleventh pick, we're taking you, uh, Garrett mm -hmm. Crochet, out of Tennessee." And uh, yeah, he throws absolutely hard. He's got overpowering stuff. Um, I read some stats saying that uh, he threw the second most uh, pitches over 100 miles per hour, uh, second to uh, Brewstar Gratterall. Uh, so he's got a really fantastic uh, fastball. It was his put his put away pitch last year. It's honestly pretty much his only pitch. Uh, he's got a 96 mile an hour changeup to give you an idea of how hard this guy throws. Uh, but uh, there is it's a little bit. 
<laughs> there's a, right. There's a little bit of an injury concern. Um, so he had a few shoulder problems back when he was in college. And so, of course, that hard delivery uh, might be aggravating it. Uh, so other than that, uh, he's super exciting to watch. Again, another just hard throwing strikeout pitcher. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on Garrett Crochet if you if you have any. Do you think well, they want to wait, let them develop a little more? Well, that's the thing. Um, as of right now, it's kind of ambiguous whether he will be developed to be a more like high leverage rotation guy or if he's going to be stretched out as a starter. So I think especially with the first couple of weeks of spring training coming up, uh, that will become a little more apparent. Aaron Bummer and Crochet could be two guys that replace Hendricks if something happens to Hendricks. I love Aaron Bummer, but he got hurt last year. And I like what Crochet did. He came in and threw gas, and he's six foot five, 240. He's got a big body. So I think he's more durable than what we're seeing from him early on. But Aaron Bummer's the guy I was hoping would take over the closer job. But once they sign Liam Hendricks, I know that party is probably uh, shut down, and that party is closed, and that ship has sailed. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Uh, the train has left the station. Uh, right. So- yes. Yes. The train is also <laughs> the station. <laughs> right. And if he was Elvis, he left the building. So. Absolutely. So the train is actually heading into uh, setup man land. So that's kind of the plan for oh. Aaron Bummer as of right now. So uh, yeah, uh, he did. Uh, he, he was injured for a little bit of last year. Uh, so recent news says that he's healthy, which is always good news. So uh, he said in an interview not too long ago that he loves those high leverage situations. Uh, so his 2019 was also really great too. So he finished with a 213 ERA, 60 strikeouts, 24 walks. 43 hits allowed and 67 and two thirds innings. That's 58 games. So uh, yeah, he was just uh, extended uh, in 2019 too. So he'll be all around for a while. Uh, yeah. So other than that, uh, yeah, I have huge confidence in Aaron Bummer. I think he's going to be a fantastic uh, setup man uh, for Liam Hendricks. What, what, what makes him so dependable in the bullpen and, how I think he could slot right in there if there's problems with Hendricks is Bummer does not give up home runs. And that's something you absolutely need from a back end arm. I mean, put together is 2018 and 2019. That's 108 innings and home run to fly uh, home run per nine is just way down home run to fly ball rate in 2018 was 6.3%, 13.8 the year after, but that's still really, really nice for a closer. Yeah. I'll tell you what the guy that most people ask about when we're talking White Sox is Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech. Is he going to be available this year? We know he struggled. He's got some mental health issues, and I support him 1,000% in making sure that he's not anxious or that he feels comfortable enough to play this game and just live his life first and foremost. But is there anything that you could say about this, Janice? Any Has there been any type of leads or direction from the moves they're making or the decisions that they're kind of leaning into a direction or is it still very cloudy right now as of right now um his development plan is kind of on a a similar crochet like path so again Mm -hmm. um uh, he's also a fireballer too in spring training michael kopech threw five pitches that were over 100 miles per hour and everyone just lost their goddamn minds yeah 
So uh, it was after uh, he was uh, out for all of 2019, recovering from uh, TJ. Uh, so to see him kind of rebound from that and to th see him throw that hard too, just kind of ignited a fire in a lot of uh, hearts of the White Sox. Oh, I said that weird. Um, it, it basically was cool to see. It was cool to see. I was trying to be poetic there and failed miserably. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he opted out of the 2020 season, uh, definitely kind of citing a lot of those mental health issues, uh, which I fully support. I, you know, more power to anyone that opted out of 2020, um, especially Kopech for those reasons. Uh, I, I certainly, as a side note, think mental health should be discussed more, especially in baseball. So I'm really proud of him for speaking up and uh, for putting that forward. Uh, so other than that, uh, if we do see Kopech, um, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we will, uh, again, fireballer. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of pitch mix concerns with him. So he's got an impressive spin and impressive velocity, but uh, a lot of uh, a command control issues in the past. Uh, hopefully that doesn't resurface. Uh, but uh, again, if Michael Kopech comes back and throws five pitches over 100 miles an hour again, m m my heart once again will be captured by the, the hard throwing of phenom that is Michael Kopech. We are big proponents of mental health on the show. We always have been. We used to do the mound visit. Uh, I always just ran out of time. And the mound visit always got cut because uh, it was later in the show, but the whole focus was on the mental health aspect of this game. And we would take a recent article or a subject that came up in the game and with COVID last year, right? Dear, we talked a lot about how COVID was you know, fucking everybody up from not only the routines, but the fear and putting themselves at risk and then trying to play a game at an elite level, that's a lot to take in. I was very proud of our pod last year, uh, addressing the mental health aspect in a game where, like, you know, these guys are humans. That was the main thing that we just kept talking about. These guys are human beings. They're not just assets that we're throwing money in in some fantasy league. So I was really proud of our pod last year for talking about it. And a lot of people that we brought onto our pod really, really connected with it as well. So I'm sure we'll bring it back soon. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, he's definitely kind of on a, a crochet-like development track, uh, just mainly because, uh, yeah, I, I think he could succeed as either a high leverage relief option out of the bullpen or even, um, yeah, uh, if, if not, uh, say, in the back end of the starting rotation. Uh, honestly, I would kind of love to see him develop into an ace because uh, I, I just think he has uh, that electric of, 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 of a stuff. No, that electric <laughs> You see, I, I, just, I just keep fucking up my words tonight, but you know what? You, you get it. You guys get it. So. Yeah, just uh, you know, say whatever you want. Fuck it. Nothing matters. I tell you, what, if you get 100 innings out of him as your number five guy, like you're going to be really, really pleased on a rotation that has just really improved themselves with some of the other moves they've made. Obviously, Lance Lynn is just as dependable as it gets. And, you know, this is why a team – like I have them as my number four team overall in baseball right now because – Every, you know, all three facets of the game just work right now. So uh, this is just a team that we're going to be glowing about for a, for a very long time. Yes. And fuck it, you know, in the end, we're all going to turn to dust and perish from this planet. So, you know, <laughs> if you think about it like that, you know, nothing really matters. But sometimes things matter still. So despite that inevitability, we're going to try to enjoy ourselves and live it up to the max. And that's what we did here. We talking White Sox. With Janice Scurio here on the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're going to go over some quick projections. Now, this is the Shine or Ride the Pine segment. Are you ready? 
I am ready. I am so incredibly excited for this. Holy shit. Here's what we'll do. I will give you a projection and you say, I'll take it. It'll go over or you're going to go under. It's really that simple. Let's just have an over and under on a projection on a player. That's it. All right. All right. Awesome. Cool. All right. Here we go. Player number one is the one and only Ronald Acuna. Are you familiar with him? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Ronald Acuna will steal 24 bases in 2021. Yay or nay? Oh, wait, am I supposed to go like like over 24 or under 24? Yeah, will he steal at least 24 or more or under that? Uh, I'm going to say under. Oh, dearie? If he's going to be the number one fantasy player, he's got to steal 30. So I'm going shine. I will take over. All right. Wow. Okay. Uh, Tim Anderson. We know Tim Anderson. We just talked about him. Tim Anderson will hit for a, this, wow, this might be easy, 294 average. Shine or ride the pine? Can I go over that? Yeah. Love over that. I figured. I figured. Deary, is that an easy one? Is this a weird projection? God, you know, it, 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 what pisses me off is all these projections I look at have him under 300. What did you say? 294. 294. Yeah, he's doing it. He'll bet three, at least 310. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It seems so easy, but gosh, you never know for sure, Janice. These things can change very, very quickly. Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado of the Colorado Rockies. A lot of talk about him being traded, but for now, he's still a Rocky. The question is this Can he hit at least 31 or more home runs this year, Janice? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think I have him at, say, 35. Wow, okay. That'd be interesting to see him. If he's in the course field and he gets to play 162 games, it seems likely. Deary, what do you think? I think so. Remember Nolan Arenado? Remember he was like a top five guy and everyone's just sleeping on him now? Yeah, he's dismissed. Look, I mean, he's hit basically 42, 41, 37, 38, 41, dating back to 2015. If he spends the whole year in Colorado and gives you over 140 games, he will hit 35 home runs. Bam! Fully agree with that. Wow. Janice, Lucas Giolito, will he win at least 12 games or more? More. Wow. Okay. That seems, yeah. I'm going to say like 15, 16. Is, is, oh. is that. Okay. 15 to 16. I'm with you on that a thousand percent. Deary, I assume you're going over on this as well. He still pitches for the White Sox, correct? That is correct. Yeah, he doesn't pitch for the Tigers. He doesn't pitch for the Orioles. He doesn't pitch for the Mariners. He will probably win 15 to 17 games. Thank it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys. I think that that seems almost too easy in a sense. Uh, maybe it isn't, but to me, I'm with you a thousand percent. Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa of the Houston Astros. Uh, kind of struggled last year, but had a tremendous playoff. As we come into 2021, can we expect 26 or more home runs from Carlos Correa Janice. I'm going to say barely under. Mm. A lot of injury concerns. Always. Maybe 25. Ooh, so it's going to be really close, like razor thin. (laughs) Yes, razor thin. Deary, what about you? 26 home runs or more? He has never hit over 24 home runs, and obviously it's because he hasn't played over 110 games in the last five years. (laughs) I, I can't stand Correa. There's just so much talent there, and it just doesn't seem to be put together until he gets to the playoffs. Uh, if he plays 154 games, I still think he's right on the cusp, but I don't think he plays 154 games, so I'm going to go under. 
Janice New, Chicago White Sox pitcher, Lance Lynn, 205 strikeouts or more. Ooh, ooh. Well, if he's going to eat as many innings as I think he will, I'm going to say more. Mm, I think that's an interesting number because he's not a strikeout pitcher exactly, but he can get the Ks and he goes deep into games. Like you said, he is an innings eater. That'll be interesting. Deary, what do you think? 205 strikeouts or more? God. He hit 246 back in 19 with the Rangers, which was like at least 50 more than he had ever done. He He's turned into the strikeout pitcher the last two years. He's doing something different. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Why am I thinking about this so much? Uh, I'm going to go under. Ah, All right. I like that. You guys disagree. We like disagreements on this show. No re- under it. Maybe they just use uh, Michael Kopech out of the bullpen more and they want to get him some innings and some long relief. Dallas Keuchel, Janice, can he have a whip of 1.32 or less? You want to go under or over that? Ooh, that's the thing is, I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not so certain about Keuchel's control, honestly. He tends to falter in the fourth and fifth innings. Uh, definitely has some issues with control late in games. Uh, I'm going to go over. Okay, over. Deary? What's the number? 1.32 whip. Are you going to go under or over? I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I think he has a really, really solid year. Uh, uh, Hopefully he just keeps the walks out, and he'll just create a lot of ground balls, and hopefully the White Sox can play good defense behind him. I will go under. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I'm not sure we can guarantee that type of number. Dallas Keuchel is very reliable, though, a lot more than maybe people realize and does not get the credit for. Uh, One more. Let's do... I want to get one more White Sox in. Oh, here we go. Eloy Jimenez. Now, this projection says that he will hit 287. Can he hit 287 or better, Janice, in 2021? I think he could hit better. I think he, uh, uh, yeah, because I think the same projection said that he was going to hit 30 home runs, which I think is certainly doable for him. Yeah, he can do it. He can do it. I believe in, in Eloy. Wow, 287. Uh, Deary, can you go over on 287 batting him? I'm going to say under, uh, but it's not going to kill you fantasy-wise because it's going to be just a smidgen under, and those RBIs, runs, and home runs are going to make you very, very happy fantasy owner. There it is. Shino Ride the Pine is in the books. That's our first edition of 2021. Very exciting that we could get that going. And we always like to go back in time and see who was right and who was wrong because the audio tape never lies. Let's get to the emails and tweets real quick and then we'll get the hell out of here. Or we're going to get pissed. Oh, we got to mad as hell. We got to mad oh, as We're going to get pissed too. We're going to get pissed. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, we want to know. Uh, this is not me. This is from people on Twitter, by the way. And Janice, you may have seen some of these earlier, so it could be redundant. But uh, let's see. Let's try this one. Our old pal, OBP Fantasy Baseball Podcast, wants to know, Dallas Keuchel had a 199 ERA. Can it be attributed to the AL Central-only schedule? Or are you more excited about him in 2021? Can he have an ERA of 450 or less? Uh, yeah, I saw that too. I saw that too. Uh, so like I mentioned before, a big concern that I have with Keuchel is that, uh, yeah, that fourth and fifth inning tends to be a little bit of a problem for him. So, uh, yeah, and of course, too, uh, that 
start uh, game two of the AL wild card. He got pretty, he, he got hit pretty hard by that Oakland lineup. So, but then again, that was just one start. Uh, so, oh my goodness. I literally just answered this question and I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Dallas, you said your big concern about Keiko is that he falters around the fourth, fifth inning. That's where right. that 308 FIP comes from. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the ERA, I don't think, uh, tells the exact story of what's going on there. Um, but then again, there are a lot of things to like about Keuchel. Um, he does not give up a lot of home runs. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think actually one of the last home runs he gave up was in that series with Oakland. So I was, yeah, he uh, basically made me look like a total fool because I was talking about how Dallas Keuchel does not give up home runs. And lo and behold, what does he do? What does he do? I believe it was Marcus Semien that hit a home run after uh, off of him, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. So free agent Marcus Semien. That's right. That, that's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, so former overall, White Sox, too. Yeah. Yeah. Former White. Yeah. Former friend. Yeah. F- old friend. Old, old. Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. <laughs> um, we talked about Kopech. But real quick, Michael Kopech, is he going to pitch meaningful innings in MLB this year? Do you think that will happen? I think so. I think that it will certainly happen. He will throw more than five pitches over 100 miles per hour, and everyone will cheer, and all will be right with the world again. Yay! There you go. Billy B, Bill Bradley on Twitter. That's your answer. Mike Curlin says, when should we expect Andrew Vaughn up, or is there any chance they sign him to a long-term deal like they have with some of their younger guys? Yeah, so we've already seen guys like uh, Luis Robert uh, locked down long term, uh, Yohan Moncada too. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if there's really kind of a push to extend uh, these guys uh, immediately. Uh, the financial side, I tend not to uh, dabble in too much, uh, just mainly because that can get a little contentious, but otherwise, <laughs> uh, I think, especially if the D eight, the, yeah, the DH situation kind of continues to be a huge question mark, then I think Vaughn will be up probably like in the springtime. So while I would rather see them sign someone like Marcelo Zuna, uh, oh, God. <laughs> yes, but, uh, but yeah, I, I can definitely see Vaughn coming up very quickly. It, it doesn't matter that he was just drafted two years ago because, I mean, someone like Garrett, Garrett Crochet, like still literally in his college uniform when uh, he made his major league debut. So I would love to see Vaughn up. That would be fantastic. But Marcelo Ozuna, ooh, that's a hot take right there. Oh. All right. <laughs> I love Ozuna. I have no idea where he's going to go, though. Yeah, still unknown. He's a big bat out there, and he's got to go back to Atlanta. I love the Braves so much. Please go back. Oh, boy. I don't think uh, Janice wants to see that, Chris. Come on. All right. There it is. Those are our tweets and emails. We thank all of you for sending those in. Mike Curlin, Sam FBB, and everybody else who chimed in. Thank you so much. Now it's time for us to cut the bullshit. Nobody's (laughs) going to be fucking around here. It's time for... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! That's right. We're pissed off. There's things that are not right in this world, whether it's the sports world, international world, nationwide, statewide, citywide. People are pissed. Janice, we want to give you the floor. We want you to vent. Let it out. We talk about mental health on this show, but we're here to back it up. Okay? God damn it. Someone's got to be able to speak their mind once in a while, and this is your chance to do it. The floor is yours. Anyway, first of all, thank you for this platform. 
Uh, I, I know it's, it's probably not the best thing to start off a, a segment about being mad as all hell when I'm expressing gratitude in like the first 10 seconds. You're probably sitting there think, thinking, oh man, she's not she's not mad at anything. She's about to pass out fucking flowers to all of us. <laughs> uh, no, I, I reassure you that's not what I'm about to do. Anyway, here's what I'm mad as hell about. So um, I suffer from nearsightedness. Uh, so if you couldn't tell, I'm wearing contacts. I think it's complete fucking bullshit that I have to wear contacts. Uh, just mainly because when I take them out, I'm, I, I, I literally cannot see. I think it's complete fucking bullshit that I have to wear glasses and contacts all the time. And so everyone tells me, why don't you just get wasted? Well, first of all, it's expensive as hell. And I think like my insurance covers what, like 10% of it. That's like, like, I don't know, a hundred bucks. So like, that's definitely not going to be on my radar anytime soon. Uh, I think it's complete bullshit that I forget that I wear contacts. And so as a result, uh, sometimes I'll step in the shower and I'll, I'm washing my face and all of a sudden the contact moves to like the upper corner of my brain and it's like stuck there. And I'm just kind of like standing there with like one functioning fucking eye. Oh. And I'm just like, come on, man, just get back in there. And so I'm just doing this. Like, just like to, to, to get the contact back into place. It's terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And of course, like when I take my contacts out, it's just like, I might as well just go to bed. It's mainly because like, well, what good am I if I can't fucking see? So uh, yeah, I was thinking about this because like one, I'm at the very end of my contact supply. And so I have to make an another fucking appointment with my eye doctor to tell me that guess what you're even blinder than you were last year great thanks awesome so so yeah just the fact that my vision deteriorates every year and the fact that i have to keep paying in order to be a functioning human being is what i'm fucking mad as hell about wow i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore fucking a I I have been pissed for 28 years of my life because I have worn contacts since I was 12 years old and I fucking hate it. I can't stand wearing glasses because I just can't see as well with glasses compared to contacts. But oh, yeah. oh, you know how many times I've had scratch corneas because I was just too wasted to take my contacts out in my 20s oh. or like, yeah, I, I totally relate. Like you take oh, your contacts out. Oh, oh, I just got to go to bed. I can't see anything. So I, I got to go to bed. And yeah, the fact that I have to fucking pay for this shit. Like just to be a, a a human being that can drive and see ridiculous. I am on board. I'm mad now. I was not mad coming into the segment. Now I'm pissed. You know what's even worse about this is that there are people who are walking around here just like seeing for free, like like, like people with complete perfect vision who don't have to deal <laughs> with doctor's appointments or sticking uh, any foreign objects in your eyes. Ugh. It's it's it's. Complete, like, injustice. Like, if, if there's one injustice in this world, I mean, there are many, many injustices, but that's just one of them. Mike, you will never know what it's like when a contact goes up your eye and it's, like, in your brain and you're trying to fish it out. It's hell. Oh, that sounds so awful. I've heard stories, and I, you're right. I'll never know. Not yet. I mean, who knows? My time could be coming here. I think uh, my clock is ticking down, but... So far, I'm still able to see everything I need to see. I empathize with you guys. I sympathize with you. And I wish that there was a better understanding world out there for people who can't see. Uh, I'm pissed about people who are self-righteous. I believe in unity and 
connectivity and support and engaging, connecting with everybody. But there's a fine line between saying you are holier than thou and that you've never made a mistake in your life and that you've never you know, said this or that or that you've never done things that you're not proud of. That's bullshit. That is a big load of shit, okay? Don't try to come up on social media. And social media is one of the worst areas for this because you can't have a good conversation. You can't be honest with each other about it. You try to express your opinion in written text form, but it doesn't come off clearly. We don't get any tone. And what it usually is is just lost in translation. And it really bums me out. I really do try to avoid it. I I dedicate my time when I'm on social media, like Twitter, talking about fantasy baseball or anything else that comes up to making sure that I don't engage and try to sound like I know more than you or I'm smarter than you or that I am living a better life that I have a greater experience than you. I would never do that. And people who do that bother me. And that pisses me off. It really does. It chaps my ass. I have little respect for people who try to stand up on a pedestal and say, I know more than you do. And I am perfect in all forms. That's not right. That's not cool. And I think you should take a look at yourself in the mirror. We need more introspection in this world. People need to take a look at themselves and say, hey, maybe I have some things I need to work on before I start pointing fingers at one another. So just men. Thank you. You know, something to think about. That's all. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody on the show. Just trying to make this place a better world. So there you go. There's our little little rant. Anyone who says they know everything, anyone who says they know anything is honestly (laughs) full of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're subject to immediate like suspicion. And uh, I would not be taking what they say uh, lightly. I'd be very, very, very cautious. People think they know everything. People that say that, oh, I've you know, lived a pretty healthy and righteous life and yada, yada, yada. Don't, don't believe that. And in fact, I've also found this with religious people. The more religious somebody is, the more suspect I am of them at times because they, they use it as a front. And I'm not trying to diss religion at all. If you like to be religious, go to town on it. But don't try to use religion as a false front for all your secretive and conniving and scumbag, you know, agenda. That's what I mean when I say that. I don't know anything and I've made a million mistakes in my life and I'm a far better person for it. Oh, that is great, dear. That's a great way to end the show. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, there it is. We got it all off our chest. I'm as mad as hell. There you go. So we want to thank Janice Curio for joining us on the show today, talking White Sox, talking about garbage. I mean, we learned a lot today. I think we really did. We always learn something on this show. And once again, we connected with somebody we didn't know that well. And I think we know her a little bit better. Janice, tell people where they can find you, where they can read your stuff, where they can listen to you on your pods. Give us the goods. Absolutely. Would be happy to. So follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is Scuriosa, which is basically my last name misspelled, spelled S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. You can read my stuff at Southside Socks, at Baseball Prospectus, at Southside Hit Pen. Uh, If you ever want to hear me just blab on and on about the White Sox even more than you have right now, uh, listen to the Northside Sox pod. We are also on Twitter, too. I run that show with one other person. uh, So if I'm annoying you, let him annoy you as much as I have. Uh, It's a treat to be annoyed by both of us. Um, I'm sure, if Sam, if you're listening to this, I don't think you're annoying. I'm certainly the more annoying one out of the two of us. 
Sam's definitely not listening. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, read my stuff, follow me, uh, talk with me, disagree with me. I'm totally down for all of that. I, I, I love the discourse uh, in general. I also love talking with uh, division rival fans. So you guys have been absolutely fantastic to talk to. By the way, uh, we're also connected with the Cup of Cubby Blue ladies, and we've already made a deal that we're going to see a Cubs game with them. So maybe when all this COVID stuff ends, we'll get to go see a White Sox-Tigers game in Chicago or something. You know? I love the Cup of Cubby Blue ladies. They are our uh, uh, SB Nation sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been on twice, three times. I think they've been on twice. Yeah, yeah. Sarah will be coming back on next month by herself to talk some more fantasy. But yeah, we we ta- they're really... As much as everybody else, we're all waiting for COVID to end, so maybe we can have like some in-person interaction at actual baseball cathedrals. That would be very cool. Absolutely, yeah. Sarah and Andy are two of my favorite people in the baseball world. So, oh, yeah, well, there you go. Different sides of town, but we can all be friends. Oh, see, if, that, if they can come together, everybody can come together, guys. <laughs> there you go. Well, we thank you again, Janice. Don't forget, we're Plazo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Plazo Podcast on Twitter. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. And we look forward to getting your emails. You can talk about what you heard on this show today and the other show. We got more guests coming. They're just going to keep on piling through. We got different perspectives. We got White Sox perspectives. We got national perspectives. We got more local perspectives. We got them all. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chris, tell them where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, CDeary99 on Twitter. I got two things I'm working on right now. Uh, by the end of this week, I will drop my shortstop rankings for 2021. And I'm also going to start some team previews uh, going from the worst team all the way to the best in terms of fantasy. And I will be starting with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I will drop Ooh. that this weekend. That is great. There it is. I'm MJ Govier on Twitter. Check us out. DM us. Give us your fantasy questions and scenarios. Draft season's picking up. So hook us up. Let's make it happen. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Everybody, take care of yourselves, and Godspeed. Peace.